Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. It was a very special Remembrance Day for homeless veterans in Calgary who found themselves not homeless for the first time in a long time. A new initiative celebrated their grand opening recently. Homes for Heroes is a brand new village of tiny homes in the city of Calgary for homeless veterans. And while Calgary's village just opened, they have plans for villages all throughout Canada. We'll talk to one of the co-founders this morning and hear more about Homes for Heroes. So, David, for those who don't know, what is the Homes for Heroes Foundation? Uh, Homes for Heroes Foundation is a uh, Canadian charity uh, dedicated to ending uh, homelessness among our veteran population. And uh, we do that by building tiny home villages with full wraparound services. And uh, we just opened our first village in Calgary. Now, a lot of people don't. Probably, well, a lot of people out there probably don't know that a lot of our veterans are homeless. How big of a problem is this? Yeah, to be fair, I think a lot of Canadians uh, assume that, uh, well, and believe that our, our vets shouldn't be homeless, but it is a big problem. Um, the Canadian government did some estimates a couple of years ago at about 3,500 across the country. We think that number is really low. Um, the issue being is when they're doing these counts, they're doing them in shelters, drop-in centers, and, and vets don't self-identify. They're proud people. They're not raising their hand when asked if they're a veteran in a shelter, a drop-in center, what have you. So, um, And then we have a lot of our vets that are couch surfing. Um, you know, they grew up, uh, they worked within a unit, and they rely on that unit, the, uh, those brothers and sisters, to help them. Um, day-to-day, so they're couch surfing. So we think the number is closer to six to 7,000. Wow. And why is this such an issue for veterans? Why Why are they coming back and they have nowhere to live? Well, it isn't the fact that they have nowhere to live. I mean, the, the issue is that uh, a lot of our veterans are coming back from Afghanistan and are suffering post-traumatic stress, whether it be Afghanistan or uh, peacekeeping missions. Um, it takes four, five, six years for that post-traumatic stress sometimes to come into play. And so what you're finding is after they're getting back, they're, it's creeping into their lives and they're finding solace on the streets. Is it, is it easier for them then by the sounds of things sometimes to, uh, I don't know, just like leave family or friends behind and go out onto the streets then? Is it easier for them to deal with the PTSD that way or...? Well, you know, we, we met, in, in founding, the cha- founding the charity, we met with over 200 veterans across this country and, and had discussions with them based on what a program would look like for them. In answer to your question, it isn't the fact that it's easier for them, it's easier for their loved ones. So uh. they're trying to protect their loved ones from seeing them in, a, in this position. And so uh, that's where it becomes easier is to, to head onto the streets. It, it affects every every veteran differently, so it's very tough to really put it into a box to say what is post traumatic stress. But I, you know, in, in talking with veterans, the bigger belief is that I, you know, we got to stop calling this thing a disorder. It's a brain injury, and uh, our vets are coming back and they're suffering. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that would really change the way um, just regular civilians think about it then, right? If they're here in disorder or they hear injury, that's two different things in a lot of people's minds. I think it is. I think that, uh, and, and speak to anyone that is suffering with it. I mean, we have our first responders and, um, are having a difficulty and, 
And it is something that we're starting to understand. I, I got involved in supporting uh, with veterans uh, because of my grandfather. And he came back, and um, he was suffering, and at the time they called it shell shock. Right. I don't even, people really didn't even know what that meant. So, um, you know, I think it is an injury, and it's something that we need to uh, uh, get shed some more light on for sure. So now with Homes for Heroes, you're helping um, to bring these veterans back into society by creating these tiny villages. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the tiny homes and these, these villages that these tiny homes are being built in? Yeah, so, you know, look, we, we did, like I said, we did some research on this. We wanted to build a program, and we realized there was an issue of homelessness with our veteran population. We wanted to chat, and we talked to our vets, and they said, look, we need to get into a program. We need to get help. We need to uh, get treatment. We need to get back onto our feet, get a job, reintegrate into um, civilian life. And as part of that, you know, housing uh, is, is key to that. But what we also found in speaking with industry experts is that, you know, sometimes when you take someone off the street that's been there three, four, five years, and you put them in a what traditionally they're putting in an apartment building, 700, 800, 900 square feet. The issue is, is that's almost too much space. So you think about it, you have no possessions, you come into this space, and what the issue is, is they start to try to fill the space, and so they hoard. When they start to hoard, then they shut themselves off from society, and then you really haven't accomplished much. So that's where the tiny home um, really fits in. And then we built in this barracks format. So there, it's a courtyard with all the houses facing in. And it's to give our tenants privacy, but at the same time is to give that peer-to-peer programming support. So if we haven't heard from Bill or Nancy and seen them in a couple of days, well, we're going to check up on them. A real sense of community, right? I think that's probably a really important missing piece if you're living on the streets sometimes is having people that know you and know you well and check in on you. Well, that's the case. But, you know, in fairness, to, to those living on the street, they do have a network of street families. So when we're building these villages, we had to keep that in mind. We can't build a village out in the prairie somewhere and shut off from society. Uh, the first, it needs to be in a community, it, and they need to have access to their street family because for those first couple of months, they're still, you know, getting settled in within the new village. So they're going to get back on, you know, and, and communicate with that family. That family protected them on the street, so uh, it is important. When the idea first came up for this village and you started interviewing people and stuff and then it moved to getting funding, did you find it difficult to convince people this needed to be done or how did that all work out? Uh, you know what? <laughs> yes and no. Uh, so uh, one end of it, yeah, the citizens of Canada, they truly love uh, those that have served and continue to serve. So on that side of it, their support and their, their donations have been great. Uh, I would suggest that the government support has been slow. Um, look, the cost for an individual experiencing homelessness is roughly $80,000 a year to a city and a province. Wow. And so we've approached cities and provinces and said, look, we'll partner with you. You need the partnership. You get us the land at no cost. That's your investment. Our investment is we'll build the village and run the village. So... 
now that Calgary's open, Calgary, we, we, we invested a small sum into that. The city of Calgary sold us this land at a great discount. Uh, we don't intend to do that again. Um, we have land in Edmonton now that was given to us. We have land in Ontario, three pieces of land. Uh, we're working with the province of Manitoba to get a piece uh, of land in Winnipeg. So, uh, you know, it's been slow on that front, but certainly the Canadians and, and corporations jumped on side right away. How important is it to have a village like this in each province? Well, look, we can. I, we truly believe that if we get a village in all major cities across Canada, and some will cry or two, we can end the issue. This is transitional housing. So, And this was set up uh, by our veterans. Again, they said, we want to get in a program, get better, and then get out and mentor the next tenant. So our tenants might be there for a year. They might be there for three years. We're not out to kick them out of there. But it's transitional housing. So we build these in every city, and cities and provinces invest, and those that served our country, um, we can end the issue. What I like what you just said there, where they want to get out, and then they want to come back and mentor, so it's really, truly going full circle. It is. And look, this again, built by, by our vets. And another unique piece to what we're doing is every home is named after one of our Canadian fallen. And and that's where the term heroes comes from. So the homes are heroes, it's the heroes that paid the ultimate sacrifice. If you talk to a veteran today and you would classify them a hero, they, they, they wouldn't like that term. Um, but uh, a hero that has lost their life. So outside of every home is a plaque, and it's named after our fallen. And so the communities are built as an is a community. It's in within a community within a community. So we people are welcome to come uh, throughout the community. It's an open style, and they can read the plaques. and And our, we have on site an on site counselor, and uh, they're charged with bringing in schools uh, once a month and educating them about those that serve, those that continue to serve. Uh, we need to do a better job at educating our youth about. Uh, our Canadian Armed Forces. Yeah, do you find, I I feel like growing up in the 80s for myself, right, we were taught a lot about the military and what Remembrance Day means and things like that. Do you find now in 2019 people are like, oh, Remembrance Day was for these wars 100 years ago, and that's, yeah, I don't know. You know, you know my opinion on it, and uh, I feel that they could do a better job within our school system, educating our kids, uh, you know, uh, November 11th is a day to remember our fallen. But, um, you know, we need to celebrate those that serve our country. Mm. I mean, they're, they're, they're signing on the line. They're willing to put their life on the line to defend our country. Um, what other job do you know that you're asked to do that? And we've done some incredible things in, in, in the history of our country and what we've done uh, to support other countries. You ask the Dutch. I mean, they love the Canadians yes. because of our, our military. Yeah. So, you know, the fact is is that it's as schools get pressured with more and more information that they have to teach, there's things that end up getting dropped. And you have to hats off to the teachers that make um, this a priority, that teaching about our KM forces 
Unfortunately, I don't believe it's in the curriculum anymore, and so I think that's a shame. You're obviously very passionate about this. I'm wondering why. Uh, are you a veteran <laughs> yourself, or where did this passion come from? Uh, you know, I, I'm asked my. I'm not a veteran. Uh, I've been supporting vets for uh, 12, 13 years uh, across Canada. I, I had a, a kind of a life-changing moment. I, I went to visit my grandfather. My grandfather had uh, came back, and um, you know he had drank himself into into poverty. Um, at one point, he was president of BP Canada, and years later, he's working security uh, in the same building. He didn't last long there either. He was security guard for about two weeks and got fired because of his alcohol. Hmm. But he, you know, he abused his family members. They didn't want anything to do with him. So I really didn't know him growing up. So when I did finally meet him, I met this man that was just broken. Uh, he was just a broken individual, and and there is no excuse for what he did to his family, but at the same token, what I saw was that he needed help, and we weren't there as a society to help him out. Um, I caught, <laughs> it's terrible, I, I, caught him, uh, I caught him eating dog food, mm. and uh, it just... It moved me to the point of when I came back to Calgary, Vancouver, I came back to Calgary, and I said, we got to change this. And I started the veteran food drive in Calgary. And then it just kind of, I, I started to learn more and more about what was happening. And, and so I got more and more involved. Once again, it's interesting. You mentioned all these things of what happened to your grandfather. That is, those are the little secrets that nobody knows about. And it feels yeah. as though there's a stigma that they can't speak about that. Well, it's not so much that they can't speak about it. It's that they're proud, right? They're a proud group. And so they're not speaking about it. And the people that they trust is the people that have been there with them. And so that's the idea of this barrack-style format and, and having veterans together in a village so they can work together. And there's a lot of peer-to-peer programming that's involved. Each of our villages has a resource center, and we have we bringing in the best of the best to run the facility. In Calgary, it's the mustard seed. The mustard seed has thirty years experiencing, sorry, thirty years experience uh, working with um, the homeless population. So, again, it's the idea that they're proud, um, and I think they want to heal together. Can you just give us? Um a description. Now, I know you've kind of said it's a barrack uh, type style, but just give us a description of what the what these villages look like, what the homes look like. Yeah. So you know, look, each village moving forward has twenty homes, and then at the and they're kind of built in this horseshoe format with the resource center at the end. And the resource center is, has the has certainly a central meeting space. It has a counselor's office, and then it has a family suite. The family suite is similar to a hotel room, and it's it's for families to come in and be part of the healing process when it's time. So all the homes are uh, 270 square feet, and um, they have all the comforts of a large home. And you walk in the door, and there's there's a uh, beautiful sofa, and this there's a, actually a Murphy bed that folds down on top of that sofa. But moving forward, there's a, a kitchen nook and a work area, full full stove, fridge, microwave, and then a private bathroom. So, you know, it really, and then, you know, this whole courtyard is the idea that it's part of a community. So it's not a private, the homes are, are, 
are the tenants. They're their homes, and, and we ask people to respect that privacy. But the courtyard and the community gardens is for the community. We want this to be a community within a community. So moving forward and going into Remembrance Day, what is the most important thing that people out there should be remembering about these veterans? Well, you know, there's so many. I mean, really, you have to think about uh, the sacrifices they've made. And I think that so many people ask me, what can I do? You know, can I, I, I don't have much money, Dave, and I, 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 so what can I do? And I, I always say to people, the biggest thing that you can do is show your appreciation. When you see a men and women in their uniform, thank them for their service. It's simple as that. Uh, you know, getting involved in local charities to help, and, and there's some incredible ones across the country. And, you know, Homes of Heroes uh, is a unique program because we're funded by Canadians. Again, we have no government funding to date. So um, it's the citizens of Canada that have helped us. Uh, we certainly ask that it'd be great to have that support within the community. We plan to build in Winnipeg, and we plan to get that done within the next couple of years here. So uh, look for us there. For those who want to help out with Homes for Heroes and learn more about Homes for Heroes, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, best to go to our website, and it's uh, triple dub, uh, the letter H, the number four, the letter H, the letter F, dot C-A, so homesforheroes.ca, and uh, learn about us. Um, you know, look, we are a very a small, we have a very small staff. Uh, we're run very lean, um, but, um, you know, we're proud that 90% of, 90 cents in every dollar that comes in goes towards building the village, and and while we might have our first one in Calgary and the second one in Edmonton, these veterans are from across Canada that are moving into this. So it, it's, you know, this is a Canadian effort. Dave, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your passion with us and wish you all the best with the future. Yeah, and thank you. And uh, thank you to everyone listening and getting involved and, and uh, to all those supporting our veterans. I say bravo, Zulu.